Amen. Psalm 34, verse 14. This morning's message I have entitled, and this will be in our topical session, uh, section, obviously, Depart from Evil. Psalm 34, verse 14 says, Depart from evil and do good. Now, we as Christians have been given such a great opportunity by the Lord to be forgiven of our sins, to have a clean slate, a new start, a fresh chance to be free from sin, to have our paradigm shift from following after the things of this world and the lust of the flesh to following after Jesus and the things that, that please God. What a change that is when we go from pursuing the things of the world to pursuing the things of the Lord. It's nothing short of miraculous. And in Philippians 1.6 it says, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now a lot of us can say, you know what, I've had a lot of bad things begun in my life. I've had a lot of people attempt to do or even succeed in doing bad things to me. But through this revolutionary statement from Paul where he says when God begins something, he finishes it. And what that means is when God begins something new, all of the things that begun that were bad come to an end and start to diminish. The moment you decide to follow Jesus, he makes you a new creation in Christ. The old things pass away. You become new. What a great thing that is. There's not one other religion in the world that offers that kind of life-changing experience. There's not one other religion in the world that says you don't have to earn your salvation. See, the work that Paul is referring to in Philippians 1.6 is the work, this work that God has begun is this, making you less like you and more like Jesus. Making us less like ourselves and more like him. Now, we've talked about this before. Uh, being a married couple, when you go from being single to married, you realize how selfish you are. Really, with your time, your schedule, well, I work out at that time, or I go you know, shopping at that time, or I take naps at that time. And they're like, no, that's when I do. No, 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 you're changing your schedule, this is my schedule. No, and then you find that you blend the two schedules, and you realize, man, I've been so consumed with myself. And then you have children, and then, you, and then, and then both of the parents, they're not even on the schedule anymore. You know, you're not there. Spouses and children, Fulfill the plan of God in making us less like us and more like Jesus. So this morning, as I aforementioned, I have two points for you. One is departure and two is arrival. How apropos is that? Departure and arrival are our two points for this morning. Point number one, departure. Psalm 34 verse 14, we read, depart from evil and do good. Depart from evil and do good. See, both evil and good are mutually exclusive things. You cannot be evil and you cannot be righteous at the same time. You cannot be one of the, you have to be one or the other. You cannot be both simultaneously. I can't follow Jesus and follow the world at the same time. I'm either following one or the other. Just like I can't go right and go left at the same time. In Galatians 5, verse 17, reading from the New Living Translation, typically we study through the New King James Version, but I like the way it's put here. It says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. 
And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. This battle between the flesh and the Spirit rages every moment of our existence. Every moment for the Christian's existence. Somebody that's not following Jesus isn't filled with the Spirit and they are led by the flesh and they freely do whatever it is that is wrong. The moment that you put the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus into your life, there is now the freedom to say no to those things. Because without Christ, I was not free to say no to sin. I was controlled by the power of sin. I had to do whatever it said that I needed to do. My flesh cried out for that fulfillment. But when the Holy Spirit came into my life and we became Christians, followers of Jesus, then I had the freedom to say no. Because sin was no longer my master, no longer my boss, no longer my employer. I now work, I now serve Jesus Christ. See, the word in Hebrew for depart is very similar to our word repent. So Psalm 34, it says depart. It's important to understand that we are prone to sin. In Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14, Jesus said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Following Jesus is a narrow path. Nowadays, to be called narrow is derogatory. Narrow. You're so narrow-minded. You know, why do you, you say there's only one way? You say you have to be born again. You Christians say that Jesus is the only way. Well, you know, honestly, that's not entirely true. Jesus said he was the only way. Jesus said the path to life was narrow. We didn't decide to come up with this in Christendom and in the church, you know, come up with these, these ideas. No, this is what the Bible says. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me, Jesus said. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And so for us, as we're following Jesus, we're on that narrow path of righteousness. And there's something to understand this morning. In this, under under this, this subject of understanding it, that we're born prone to sin, is that Satan never walks on the path of righteousness. Satan never walks on the path of righteousness. You may, as you're following Jesus, but Satan cannot. It is, it is absolutely, it is absolutely impossible for him to be on the path of righteousness because he is sin to the core. He is debased. He is fallen. But what he does is try to lure us off the path of righteousness onto the path of destruction. He wants to lure us off the path, that center of God's perfect will to get us outside of that, to lean on our own understanding, to, to give in to the lusts of the flesh, to do the things that we ought not to be doing because it's gratifying our flesh or it might feel good. Yes, walking the path of righteousness is difficult. There's no way around it because it is natural to sin. 
Under this point, number one, departure, subpoint, letter A, is this. We are born on the path of destruction. We are, let me say this again. We, all of us, mankind, we are born on the path of destruction. That's why we never, that's why there has never been a need to teach us how to sin. That's why we have never needed to teach our children how to sin. See, we do it very well, all on our own. Naturally, we sin. We never had to, ta- to be taught to be selfish. When one of our first words was, mine. We didn't have to be taught to steal when we went over to another kid and took his toy and then said, mine. We do it naturally. In Ephesians 2, verses 2 through 3, it says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Paul's writing to people that have come out of this. He says, you used to walk according to the course of this world, according to Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And then get this. We're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Sons of disobedience. Never had to be taught to disobey. No, I don't want to do that. I want to do what I want to do. You know, all of us as parents have stories, you know, of telling our our child, you know, don't drop that glass of milk. No! No! disobedience. I didn't teach you to disobey like that, did I? It says naturally children of wrath, meaning that you're naturally born into the fall of mankind with a sinful nature, and if not corrected, leads to the wrath of God. We are born on the path that's heading to destruction because we are born with a sinful nature. We are not, sub-point letter B, in light of Understanding, I am born on the path heading to destruction. Leads us to point B, which is we are not born on the path of righteousness. Now you might think, well, okay, I get it. That's logical. Isn't that kind of saying the same thing? No, listen, it doesn't matter if you're the most godly, amazing parents in the world. You will have children that are little sinners. Now, I know that sounds harsh, especially for some of you that have new babies here. Maybe they're one or they're newborns. Well, just wait until they're two. (laughs) See, the point is, is that David, the one who wrote this psalm, uses this word, depart. Depart. Now, I cannot depart from a place that I've never been. Does that make sense? Like, hey, I need you, hey, 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 I need you to leave Singapore now. Well, I'm not in Singapore and I've never been in Singapore, so how can I leave a place that I've never been? How can I leave a place that I've never been at? I'm reminded of what Solomon said regarding parents and their children. He said, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, verse 6. So it doesn't say that we should train them up in the way that they are already going. It says, train them up in the way that they should go. Which supports the point that I'm making is that we are born 
on the path of destruction, not doing what we should be doing, meaning we're not born on the path of righteousness. And it's vitally important to understand that every single person is born with a sinful nature. We're born, listen to this, we're born on a path that without any intervention, we're born on a path that without any intervention will lead to destruction. That if you are born in this life and nothing intercedes for you, you will continue on the path that you were naturally born into to destruction. So David says, depart from evil. See, we need assistance to get on the departing flight from sin. Yes, we're going to have heavy travel overtones this morning, but we need assistance to get on that departing flight from sin. And arrival into righteousness is the desired destination. Depart from sin. So how do we get to that desired destination? Well, it's by departing from sin ourselves. I mean, how do we expect others to depart from sin when we haven't departed from it? I can't get elsewhere if I never leave the place that I'm at. And this is where the word repentance will come back into play. Let me ask you this question rhetorically just for you to think about this. Do you remember, for those of you that have faith in Jesus, that you're following him, do you remember what it was like before you followed Jesus? Do you remember what your marriage looked like or what your lifestyle looked like, what your habits were, who you were, and what you were following after and what you were involved in and what you had immersed yourself in? Maybe even here this morning, you're not following Jesus, and so this is just your lifestyle and the things that you do, surrounded by what is unrighteous and what is evil on a path heading to destruction. We were pursuing the things of the world, but guess who was pursuing us? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, convicting us, showing us that we need forgiveness of sin, hopefully desiring that we would turn from our sin and begin to follow after the Lord. And then now as we're following after the Lord, sin pursues us. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the things that make the world go around. That's why at any time we can walk away from the Lord. That's why at any time we can remove ourselves from this path, which is a righteous path following after the Lord and be circumvented onto a path that brings pain and agony, separation from God, destruction, wrath, emptiness, loneliness, failure, destruction. So David says, depart from evil. Leave the place that you have been. Depart from it. Leave it. I have to leave sin in order to do good. Repentance is the ticket for the departing flight out of sin. In Luke 13, verse 3, Jesus said, And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God, Jesus said. So we leave this place of destruction through departure, through repentance, which means turning away from So we understand we're born with a sinful nature. I'm born on a path of destruction. I'm not born on the path of righteousness. I'm born in a place where it's just so easy for me to sin, to do the wrong thing. It's natural. You don't need to teach me. You have to depart from that in order to do good. And we see the repentance is that ticket for that departure, which leads us to point number two, the arrival. Arrival. 
Now, when I say arrival, I want you to know that I'm not saying that we have arrived as far as perfection is concerned. I've arrived. Yep, I am pretty much the best Christian you could ever see in your entire life. And I hope some of you guys, you know, really pay attention and kind of see me and you'll see Jesus. You know, like that kind of thing, you know? And, and, but from a place of, of condescension and pride, this isn't talking about I've arrived, I don't have problems anymore, I'm not tempted by sin anymore, because you would have to be dead. Now, the thing is, is that when we're saying arrival, is that we're saying that I'm left, I've left the path of destruction, and I've landed safely on the runway of righteousness to depart from evil, to depart from evil is necessary in order to do good, but to depart from good is to do what is evil. In Proverbs 20, verse 7, listen to this. It says, the righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. The main reason for the blessed state of this righteous man's children is due to the fact that they had a role model, someone to look up to. Now, there's a place of being like, man, I'm so much better than all of you. That's not the type of role model we're looking for. Pride, arrogance goes before a fall. If we know anything at all, we'll know that we're sinners, we're saved by grace, and it's every day that we have to battle and trust in the Lord to do what is right and to maintain that course. Because at any time we could slip off, give in to sin, and we need to watch ourselves from that, and having a dependency upon Jesus keeps us in a place of humility. The role model that we're looking at here is man, a man or a woman that is righteous and has integrity. We must strive. It's not saying we're perfect. We're striving for perfection. We're striving to be like Christ. So from the language that we use, the music that we listen to, the movies that we watch, the people we associate ourselves with, we must seek to glorify the Lord. And thank God for the promise that I can do all things with Christ who gives me strength. Because it's not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. The path is narrow. But I need to be in a place where I'm, I'm staying the course. I have to depart from evil in order to do good because I can't be in evil and do good. They're mutually exclusive. Departure. Get out of there. And as we walk as children of the Lord, the Lord makes sure that we're not departing from the paths of righteousness, as it says in Hebrews 12, 6, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. That the Lord will discipline us and he will convict us and he will do things that are not meant to hurt us, but they're meant to keep us on that path. The path that leads to eternal life. The path that leads, leads to the blessings of the Lord because for any parent... If us, being earthly parents, sinful, and we make mistakes, want good things for our children, how much more our Heavenly Father wants good things for us? I never understood while growing up, my parents, my dad particularly, when he'd say, son, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I don't, if you know what I'm talking about, then, yeah, well, you don't need to explain anything more. Discipline. I never understood that. This hurts me more than it hurts you, son. Yeah, right, it does. Kidding me? Until I had a son. It wasn't until I had my own kids that I understood exactly what they were saying because no one wants to discipline somebody. 
No one wants to see them cry. No one wants to see them, you know, uh, not get what they want, even though we know that it's not good for children to get what they want all the time. It turns them into something that you don't want to be. It's not good for kids that, you know, hey, I'm six. I know everything. I can do all these things. No, actually, that's probably not a good idea to be playing on top of that. Let's get down. Whatever, and you, you in your wisdom as parents will seek to, to hedge your children onto that path that leads to life, a relationship with Jesus that's thriving, a, a, a lifestyle that, that glorifies the Lord. Because when we discipline our children, we're actually showing them that we love them. And even studies have shown that children that are disciplined regularly and have boundaries feel secure and feel loved more than children that do not. And this brings us to the place of looking at the Lord's motivation for disciplining us as, our, as his children. See, any discipline that the Lord administers is done for our benefit and our profit. And may I underscore not as a release for his own frustration. I told you five times, you blah, whatever it might be. That's not God. He doesn't need to vent. He doesn't lose his temper. God doesn't strike his children out of anger, nor should we. God doesn't break our spirit, but he'll break our pride. God doesn't desire to crush us or demean us. God isn't calling us names or trying to put us down. God disciplines us to encourage our spiritual growth, to help us. Some people think they have this, this skewed, this messed up view of God that God is just wanting to smite them. The Lord says in his word that he doesn't even take pleasure in the death of people that are wicked, that are evil. That grieves him. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, you know, I've made mistakes Maybe you haven't been walking with the Lord or maybe you've influenced other people to not have a relationship with Jesus. Listen to me carefully this morning. It's the Lord God who redeems. God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't written you off. Today is the day where new beginnings can start, where, where you can get on that flight out of sin to depart from evil. And to do good, to do what pleases the Lord, to be actively involved in pursuing the things of the kingdom of God, and to be a servant useful for kingdom work, doing the work of the Lord. Depart from evil to do good. In Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5, it says, In you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Remember that. Naturally born, children of wrath, just as others. But then it says this. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This is what we've been given. This is what the Lord has done for us. And so we are there daily in that place, making that decision. Do I pursue the things of the Lord or do I pursue the things of the flesh and of this world? Do I pursue righteousness or do I pursue sin? 
Do I do what is evil or do I do what is good? And the psalmist says, depart from evil, repent from evil, leave evil, run away from evil and pursue the things that are pleasing to the Lord. To do what is good, truly good, things that give honor and glory to God. Make sure you have that ticket and you cash that in daily, momentarily, every second of the day where your flesh and your spirit are battling against each other because the flesh makes it hard to do what's right. But then your spirit's there making it hard to do what's wrong. And you have that battle. We want to be on the, on the path of righteousness. We want to live a life of righteousness. Because there go I, but by the grace of God, at any moment we go off the rails, walk away from God, and are absolutely enveloped in what God saved us from prior to our backsliding, to our departure off of righteousness into sin instead of departing out of evil and doing what is good. So this morning... Even being the first Sunday of the month where we observe communion and see that, you know, and remember what Jesus did, seeing his death on the cross and his body that was beaten, the blood that was spilled for us. This message, I think, is very, very timely. And I think that we could remember, hopefully, two things. Departure, arrival, depart from evil, land in what is good. That word departure in Hebrew, remember, it's similar to the, the, our English word repentance, where the Greek would translate to tr- repentance, to turn 180 degrees, to leave a place that you once were at. This could be a major area of your life. This could be a small little area of your life. But sin is sin, and you cannot compartmentalize it. If it's small, it doesn't stay small. It grows because its desire is for you. Its desire is to control you, to control me. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. And there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so this morning, may we set forth a resolve that we will not go down the path that leads to the wrath of God, that leads to destruction. No matter how many people are going that way because we know that we are outnumbered. There are more people heading on the broad path than there are heading on the narrow path. So let's get it through our minds that it's not some tiptoe through the tulips walking after Jesus. It is difficult. It requires sacrifice. And you're not doing God a favor following after him. He did us the favor. He forgave us of our sins. He cleansed us. He gave us a future and a hope. And so may we be committed to that. May we be committed to that. Because people are falling off. People are walking away. May it not be us. Consider ourselves lest we're also tempted, lest we also go astray. So this morning in closing, before we have communion, may we dedicate ourselves to be dedicated to following the Lord, departing from evil and doing good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that You have given us, Lord, such a great, great thing through faith in Jesus, salvation, forgiveness of sins. And Lord, we need to choose to depart from evil. We need to choose, Lord, to follow after you. 
It's not just, oh, I made a choice a while ago. No, this is a choice that we need to keep making over and over and over again. Give us strength, Lord, to do that. Give us strength, Lord. Give us grace. And Lord, even now, we ask for forgiveness. And with every eye closed and head bowed, if you're here this morning, very simply, if you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never put your faith in him, and you know that you've sinned, you know that you've done things that are wrong, then this morning, I'm going to invite you, I'm going to ask you, do you want to give your life to Jesus? Do you want to be forgiven of your sins? Do you want to have a new life? Do you want to depart from that path that's heading to destruction and arrive at that desired destination, which is the path of righteousness leading to eternal life, leading to heaven? Do you want that? Maybe you've walked away from the Lord and you need to come back to him today. Please do so. Do not delay. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. With every eye closed and head bowed, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, or if you have at one point and you've walked away from the Lord and you need to come back to him, would you just raise your hand and say, yes, I need to dedicate my life to Jesus or rededicate my life to him? Would you raise your hand right now, wherever you're at, so I can lead you in a prayer of dedicating or rededicating your life to Christ. Just hold your hand up wherever you may be with every eye closed and head bowed. Anybody else, raise your hand. That's why you're here today. God's gonna forgive you. He's gonna cleanse you. He's gonna give you a new chance starting right now. Please, anybody else, just just raise your hand. I see you guys over there. Anybody else, just raise your hand. And if you're watching online right now or if you're watching this uh, on the archive, you can pray this prayer right now. And for those of you that raised your hands, would you just repeat this prayer after me and mean it in your heart and say, Dear Jesus, I know that I have sinned, but I ask that you would forgive me of my sin and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you love me, even knowing all my sin. And I thank you that you died on the cross for me. And I thank you that you have forgiven me of all my sin. Would you fill me with your love and fill me with your joy and your peace and your strength that I may be who you've created me to be. For I give you my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we pray, Father, Lord, please that you would be with those that are struggling in sin, Lord, being tempted, Maybe they've given in to sin and they feel guilt and condemnation. Lord, your word tells us that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk no longer after the lust of the flesh, but according to the spirit. So I pray that today they make that decision. All right, I know where Satan's attacking me. I know I'm weak in that area. Lord, help me to push through. Help me to go forward. Help me not to veer. No matter how appealing and enticing that lure may be, Lord, may I not take the off-ramp from the path of righteousness, Lord. May I stay focused on you. Lord, we pray for those that we know, Lord, that are not walking with you. We pray for those, Lord, that have given in to sin. Lord, we pray for those that have been blinded, Lord, by Satan to believe a lie and thinking that this world has more to offer them than what you do, Lord. To exchange, Lord, their relationship with you for temporary pleasures and Lord we pray God that you would please strengthen Lord the families the friends that are 
involved with that, that know somebody like that. And we pray, Lord, for our friends and family members that are involved in those situations and sin and whatever it might be. We pray, Lord, that even right now, your spirit in such a powerful way would speak to and convict and draw them out, Lord. May they come back to you. May they come to know you. Set the captives free today, Jesus. Please, Lord, we pray for our family. We pray for our friends, the people that we know that are hurting that need you. And we thank you, Lord, this morning that all of this is made possible. Freedom, forgiveness, relationship with you is made possible through what Jesus did on the cross. And Lord, we acknowledge that this morning and we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. For those of you that raised your hands and you prayed that prayer to recommit or even dedicate your life to Jesus for the first time, well done. The Bible says that those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all has been made new. So you are a new woman. You are a new man today because of what Jesus has done. 